Hi, you're listening to a podcast of the best bits of Breakfasters for this week, the week ending Friday, the 22nd of September 2023. We're on Triple R every weekday morning from 6 to 9am, broadcast live from Melbourne, Australia. Coming up on the podcast this week, we're joined in studio for Food Interlude by Besha Rodell, who talks about the pitfalls and the perks of standing in a line at a restaurant. And multidisciplinary artist Memo Acton joins us in studio to talk about his exhibition showing an Acme distributed consciousness. I hit the communal stairwell in my flannel pyjamas to a mixed response and photographer Ramak Bamza speaks to us about her latest exhibition, Pro Femina, for the Ballarat International Photo Biennale. Comedian Prue Blake chews over the hassles of lunch, but we start the week with hopes of Nat's good neighbours becoming good friends. Melbourne's own. Triple R. I've been talking about how I'm on a mission to meet some of my neighbours mm-hmm. um, and there has been success. Oh. Yeah, after kind of a small, not setback, but like misfire. I th- I was presented with what I thought was a golden opportunity to meet some neighbours on the weekend. Um, I Around 6pm, I saw that there was a fire truck out in the street. Just food, everyone was fine. It was just a call out to check on some kind of leak or something like that. Like it was the energy of like the firefighters were like out on the street. There was like three of them. They were kind of chatting and laughing. And I'm because I'm on like the third level of the building. I can't tell you. It's like just the perfect vantage point to see everything that's going on. So I was at the radio. I was like, "All right, let's get changed. Let's get down there. Let's mingle." Like nothing brings a street together like an emergency. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, there was the lights were still on, dusk, but no, no one really out there. So oh, just the firefighters. Just the firefighters. Maybe a few other people. It's quite a, a wide street. Um, on the other side walking their dogs, but nothing I could really sink my teeth into. Mm. Yeah, so I just kind of lingered by the jasmine for about five minutes. No luck. Talking to anyone? No. Just just, just the your, firefighters. Just hiding in. behind a big bush of jasmine, <laughs> popping your... Popping your head out the side. Just Why wasn't anyone talking to me? As this, the neighbourhood creep. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I was a little bit disappointed bit despondent coming off the back of that I was like well what hope do I have now but maybe oh, it was about three days ago yeah it was Monday Sunday Monday anyway I was getting in, out of the car heading into the door and I could hear some voices coming up the street so I did a full did like a linger at the door like a movie like pretending to find my keys to get into the building to mm. stall to meet them like a meet cute yeah like, oh, oh. So then I kind of delayed it and then they came up behind me and I was like, oh, held the door for them. Great. Ushered them into the building and just like, oh, hey, how are you going? Yeah, I'm, I'm at number five. And they're like, oh, we're here. I came on quite strong. Yeah, okay. I'm playing it cool now, mm-hmm. but like I was on them. So you waited, opened the door for them, asked them how they're going. Did they respond? Yeah, they were very friendly. Oh, they were good. lovely. We're, so I'm collecting the set then. You're in the middle level of the building. Top dogs, been there the mm. longest. I was like, oh, how long have you been here? And been there. They're like, we think we've been here the longest. Oh, They've okay. got a cat. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm like, what's the vibe here? I just went straight for the jugular. I was like, how is it? Because another apartment building I used to live in, there was, I don't know, sometimes tensions around the bin or like leaving signs. I've just been kind of like trying to learn the lay of the land. They're like, yeah, no, nah, everything's chill. Yeah, I, I would, <laughs> if I was them, well, I would have um, – Backed away already. Really? Yeah. <laughs> What's the vibe? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I just was going at them. I was overly excited. 
Um, it's lovely. Can't remember what else. But, yeah, it was pretty brief. But I, I think I came off okay. I think okay. I came off at the very least. It was just friendly, maybe overly mm. enthusiastic. And how did it uh, How did it wrap up? Um, oh, I think it was pretty natural and, like, I could have kind of wedged in a few extra questions, but they were at their door. Mm. So they kind of just were easing and there was the visual cues that the conversation was ending. They were opening the door. There was no stalling with the keys for oh, them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was the first meet and then the second meet was just yesterday, mm-hmm. completely random. I came out and they were chasing their cat in the, the hallway. So two cats in the building and um, she was lovely. They're on the, the bottom floor. But that ending was a little bit awkward that I was like, so her, I went in for another question and, and we over, and she overlapped with, nice to meet you. Oh, no. <laughs> but that's okay. At this point I'm shameless. I don't care. Oh, I'm just like so leaning good. into it. And her, 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 nice to meet you. Yeah, you too. Oh, Bye. I hate that. So I love I it and I hate it. I think though. I'll be hosting drinks any day now. <laughs> Cats welcome. I will do some... Um, canapes for the cats. So in these conversations, the are you introducing canapes for cats? Sorry, <laughs> Cat canapes. Just, just close it. Canapes. Ca- uh, yeah. um, are you introducing yourself? Are you saying like, I'm Nat, I'm yeah. new here? Yeah, I'm like, okay. oh, I'm like, I feel like you identify as your apartment number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm number five. Mm. And I'm up there. What number are you? I'm going in strong with the number chat. Yeah, identifying. Okay. There is a deep vein of chat there in the number. <laughs> yeah. um, and how many meat cutes do you think are actually calculated like meat creeps? Like it's it's mm. it's the idea. How many relationships are out there? And the idea is that it was a meat cute, mm. but it was someone that actually engineered. The meeting. 35%. Yeah, I reckon it's much higher than people let on. Yeah, Mm. definitely. Yeah, lingering at cafes would be a big one, like crushes, looking for like overlaps Mm. for sure. And what about when you went out to the fire Mm. uh, brigade? Mm. Did you – you got dressed and stuff. Do you have a special – Outfit. Fire person, meet cute outfit. Yeah. Mm. What do you... you set yourself on fire? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I did not. Oh, whoops. My oh, energy was me? on fire with positivity. <laughs> no, I know. I was so focused on the housemates. It's like, yeah, that could have been a great opportunity to shout Oh, you don't care me in the fire is. No, it was, I was not. I had tunnel vision for mm. neighbours. Um, Maybe you could have asked them to say, look, I'm having trouble meeting people in my building. Can you put on the siren? Yes. <laughs> Can Get you carry me up? Hose me down. Yeah. Let's build up let's the drumming. Yeah, let's do something. But this is the thing as well. I want your opinion on. So I'm um, a relatively small apartment block. So there's only five apartments in there. So I've got. I've met. I've met half of the people that I need to meet. Once I've met them all, hmm. I think it's a green light to go up and down the stairs, which is inside the building behind a security door, in a dressing gown. Do you agree? Why would you be doing this? Because oh, it's just like we know each other. So oh, if I'm caught, oh. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not just, just parading up and down. But the other day I was like, if you need to take something down to the rubbish or you need to grab some washing off the line because it's all communal, it's a small block. I was like, what is the etiquette here if I was to dash down in slippers and a dressing gown? I think that's okay. Is that? Okay, great. I love small that. block. I yeah. would choose not to. Okay. If it was 3am yes. maybe. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But not... When you can clearly just put some clothes on. Yeah. Do you think you're struggling living alone? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Pot- 
potentially, I actually potentially maybe think I am. Nah, I'm loving it. I'm absolutely loving it. But there is some behavior that does sound like it's calling out the company. Because last night I, I did, I watched Neighbours as well out of curiosity. It's like, what? I'm really like just hanging out for some connection. It's all right. I'm totally fine. But... It's totally fine. She's totally fine. And I think one of your neighbours has texted in and says, no, do not oh, walk around I... in dressing gown. So. <laughs> Yeah, don't do it. That's a straight up no. That's interesting because I thought I was being conservative with the dressing gown because I was nearly going to do a towel the other day. (laughs) So there you go. For no reason at all. (laughs) Triple R on FM, digital, online and via the app. I'm hungry. I want something to eat. Something with a crunch and very sweet. With Michael Harden away on important culinary business, the silver lining is we get to say hi to Besha Rodell, who's with us in studio. Morning, Besha. Good morning. Uh, you've been lining up? So much. <laughs> <laughs> I've spent so much of my life in the last couple of months on lines. I think um, for those of you who are not lining up, you have certainly seen the lines. They are proliferating all over the place, especially in the CBD um, along Elizabeth Street and um, and. Burke Street and Russell Street, um, there's just more and more lines all the time. We tend to, well, I maybe get a bit judgy when I see a line. I think that that's normal and I have been the same. Um, I remember when I lived in LA, I just would see that and say, I'm never going to stand in line for for food. And then it became, you know, a job requirement. And um, I did once in LA stand in line for four hours for Nashville hot chicken um, (laughs) with this place that was um, amazing. And the line became its own party almost. I mean, that was almost a different thing just because it was so long and it was um, usually in the daytime. I was there on a weekend. Um, It was in Chinatown and there was all these kind of bewildered old Chinese couples coming by and looking and saying, what are you people doing? And, you know, people smoking weed in the line. And, you know, it was just like kind of a festival atmosphere almost. And um, But that's not what the lines are like in Melbourne. It certainly haven't been in the freezing cold for the last couple months so what do they usually portend a line in Melbourne well different things and I've been actually reading a little bit about kind of the psychology of line standing and most of the work around that is about how much people hate standing in lines and how many negative feelings it brings if you have to stand in line at the airport for too long if you have to stand in line to wait for almost anything it makes people um, really dissatisfied Um, there isn't a ton of research around it because I think it's such a new phenomenon but I really believe that social media has changed that a lot, um, especially when standing in line for shoes or sneakers or something that um, holds this cultural value and then putting it on social media, um, you are getting something that is, you know, <laughs> people are jealous of or it's kind of this trendy thing for whatever reason. And lines actually play really, really well on social media, especially mm-hmm. TikTok. You know, you can almost see that video of like the person walking up the line and there's so many people in line and it's like this experience that you've sat through usually to get get a fairly cheap bowl of noodles and that's what's usually at the end of those lines. Extraordinary. And so what is the marketing or is it organic? Um, For the most part, it's organic, I would say. Um, I think 
that, for, for instance, one of the places that I stood in a long line for is um, Mencho Tokyo Ramen, which is uh, a new ramen place. It's a chain that's out of Japan, but they have um, outlets in the US, in China, in uh, Singapore, I think. Um, and I learned about this place through the line. Like I saw the line and and went and walked by it because nobody had written about it. They had done no advertising. Um, they're very well known in the States at least. Um, their ramen gets on all the top 10 lists and whatever in San Francisco in particular. So I was able to look it up and kind of say, oh, that's what that's about. But I think that the line was driven almost entirely by social media. Um, it was not advertised at all. And then there's... This other type of line that is fairly new, in fact, I only know of one um, <laughs> example of it, which is uh, the, there's a new restaurant, newish restaurant on Ligon Street from the comedy troupe, the Sushi Mango Guys. Um, it's called Johnny Vincent Sam's, and um, it's this nostalgic uh, Italian restaurant. Um, the reason why I say that it's a different kind of line is because I don't know that there's any reason for it. Um, and I think that they obviously are social media phenomenon in and of themselves. The, and I think that they understand that the line plays well on social media. Um, if you have a quick ramen joint, bowl of noodles place, it's impossible to tell how long it's going to take any one person to sit. Some Someone 10 minutes with a bowl of noodles, somebody will take an hour. So you can't really make reservations. You can't really give great wait times you know you just gotta line up it's like getting on a ride for the <laughs> at the show mm. you know you can't tell how how long and tell somebody to go away um at johnny vincent sam's on ligon street it's a fairly normal restaurant you're gonna go and sit and spend 200 bucks at, and and you probably have an hour and a half two hour seating period um you know, I haven't worked in restaurants in almost 20 years, but back then there were computer systems that told you how to tell somebody how long the wait mm. was going to be. You took their name and they went away and you called them or you texted them when their table was ready. I can't see, I mean, and maybe I'm missing something. I, 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 I don't want to, you know, defame them, but <laughs> I can't see any reason why you would need a line at that type of restaurant. There's just, it, it, it makes no sense to me. And I really believe that they play it for social media and it makes it look like something that's really, really valuable to diners. And I think that works. Yeah. Is, is there a time limit on that kind of thing though? Surely people will get sick of the line. I, there's still a line there. I mean, I wrote about that probably six weeks ago, maybe two months ago, and mm. there's still a line out the front there. And um, I do think that it has, you know, it helps that they're famous kind of, mm. and they have very you know if you look at the line you're like oh that's some fans of those dudes you know mm. like that's kind of what is going on the other crazy thing about that line is it's not even a line to get in or again it wasn't when I was there it was a line to talk to somebody about how long you could get to, to wait to get in so you know you would get to the front of the line after being there for an hour and 10 minutes and then they'd say okay the wait is an hour and then they'd take your name and it was just like and you didn't know while you were waiting in line that you weren't going to get in at the end so of the line I know and but people you know and you know they were passing out again social media they're passing out these shots online and then taking video of it and but the shots were like juice they didn't have any uh -huh. alcohol in them but you can't tell on TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> it must break the heart of nearby restaurants, doesn't it? it? There's no spillover. It's like there's a critical mass where the waiting becomes the point. Well, I also think, you know, part of 
that take a name, let people go really does help businesses around. You go up the street, you have a glass of wine, you go up the street and you say, oh, there's no wait here. I'm going to eat here instead. If you've got a line that you can't get everybody in, it's not losing much to to do that. Um, But yeah, I would assume, especially on Ligon Street where, you know, there's the favorites and then there's the old school places that are kind of like, you know, just going to be okay. And then there's quite a lot that's in between that's kind of, you know, everybody's serving the same food. So, mm. <laughs> you know, it would be nice if if some of that spill, at least they could go have a cocktail somewhere else. But I would assume um, that it's really frustrating for other businesses. And in fact, there are at um, Mencho Ramen, they've had to set up barriers in front of the entrances to nearby businesses because they otherwise people can't get in (laughs) it goes all the way the line goes around the corner past mcdonald's and like up towards parliament it's amazing and i wonder if the line could ever work or if there's instances where it could like work against you because it's like if people are lining up for hours uh to get in you want to make sure that what they're getting at the other end of the line is incredible yeah absolutely or yeah or how powerful is like the line in terms of sustaining a restaurant i think i think the thing for me is I, I'm willing to give up a fair amount of time if it, it's an amazing bowl of noodles that costs, you know, 20, 15 bucks. Like that is the, that's the, the balance, yeah. you know. Um, and I think it, it's it's weird to stand in line and then pay $300 for dinner. Um, some people, to some people paying $300 for dinner, period, is just out of question, they might have an extra hour or two. So to get this amazing thing for cheap. And at Mentra, that really is the case. I think that there's a few restaurants um, in the CBD that I would argue are worth standing in line for. Uh, Soy 38 was one of the first ones that really got a really long line. That's the one in the car park um, off of Burke Street. And um, again, that place you can go and have a full meal and sit there for an hour and a half and drink wine if you want, or you can just go and have like a quick bite. I don't think there's any way they could do reservations or anything like that. Um, But the food is fantastic. Um, And at Mensho, that ramen really is good. I mean, you're going to line up for almost any good ramen in the city these days, especially at dinner time. Um, But their ramen is really different from other people's. They're very, very creative with it. They have, you know, a matcha ramen with Mm -hmm. duck. They have... Um, a lamb ramen and um, it's just done at a different level I would say they make the noodles there Um, their San Francisco store is in the Michelin Guide like it's there's a reason why people are kind of willing to do it Um, if you look at their reviews online though everybody is talking about is the weight worth it like nothing is really that much about like how good is this ramen compared to anything else unless it's talking about is the weight worth it for this as opposed to a different weight somewhere else. And that's else. why I wonder if it's detracting, in a way it's detracting because they're not talking about the food as much as yeah. everything around it. Yeah, and it becomes part of the experience. It's a huge part of the mm. experience. I mean, at Mencho I waited in line the first time I went for about 90 minutes and I think that I was in there for, you know, maybe 30 minutes. Mm. So, like, <laughs> three quarters of my time was spent in the line. Um, that wasn't a particularly fun line. People aren't talking. Everyone's just on their phone. Uh, it was cold, you know, and I mean, would I do it again? I, well, now there are hacks too. You know, like, day. Yeah. They, oh, well, I mean, at, at 
they have lunch and you can go at lunch and it's like a 15, 30 minute wait at lunch. Uh, it's different ramen. They don't have all of the, they don't have the Wagyu ramen with like sea urchin on top at, <laughs> at lunchtime, but um, I'm not sure. I don't know if I want that anyway. You must have seen some fads or trends explode and disappear. I mean, uh, maybe croissants or cronuts or uh, I think I lined up for donuts once and even bought merch. Yeah, no, I mean, but that's the thing. They all have lines. The The trends are coming and going, but the lines are really the thing that is persisting <laughs> yeah. with these things, you know? I mean, and there's trends in high-end restaurants too. Right now we're in this, like, New York steakhouse boom, and it's sad because that's one of the things that I really like about the Johnny Vincent Sam's restaurant is that it's, like, Australian-Italian. Like, it, it, it's trying to be Australian. Uh, it looks Looks like your like Greek Nana's house from 1982 mm. exactly in there. It's so well done, um, and I love that. I want places to be more Australian, but uh, but yeah, in in the kind of lower ends of things, um, or that anything that plays really well on Instagram, TikTok, and you know doesn't have a fast distribution method. And again, I think some of these places that it's built in like they know the line is going to make people want to come and so they may manufacture a line until a real line oh, wow. happens mm. well Besha thank yeah. you for queuing and sacrificing on our behalf <laughs> it's, it's better than working for a living <laughs> honestly Triple R Memo Apken is an LA-based artist, musician, researcher and AI whisperer who creates speculative simulations and data dramatisations that explore states of consciousness and the tensions between ecology, technology, science and spirituality using AI to reflect on the human condition. Now the multidisciplinary artist is in town with his exhibition Distributed Consciousness on now at Acme and uh, is in town at, for associated public appearances as well and to tell us about the far-reaching tentacles of his curiosity. <laughs> the self-described philomath and exponent of expanded animation joins us now. Memo, welcome to Breakfasters. Hi, uh, and thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Now, tell us, uh, you're, you've, you've arrived, your exhibition has been on uh, before you've arrived. What are you expecting to see and what can the audience expect? Um, so I just arrived. I haven't even seen it in person myself yet, but of course I've seen many... Um, video documentation and Zoom calls while it was being set up, etc. So what they can expect to see, um, I imagine, I hope, because mm. as I said, I, I, I'm going to see it immediately after um, this session, is a room with uh, a bunch of screens that are kind of put in different positions and orientations. The walls and floors, are uh, the walls are all mirrored, the screens are covered in mirrors, so hopefully it's like an infinity room, um, and you will be seeing an infinite amount of these screens scattered around the space. Um, there's a lot of LED strips. It's, I'm, I was trying to try to create the sensation of being inside of a, I don't want to say metaverse because it's, it's you know. Yeah, yeah. associations with uh, Yeah, um, but like um, some kind of cyberspace place. And on these screens, you uh, see these cephalopod-like creatures that are some kind of weird alien octopus squid type things um and they're talking and you also see like a, a text ticker as like from a stock market type thing uh with the the text of what they're saying and it's a 20 minute long um experience i mean it's kind of like a film almost and it loops wow. 
so you can walk in whenever. You don't have to walk in when it starts, but it's a 20-minute long text that they read, a manifesto. Um, so that's an introduction to what one would see or hear if they mm. walked in. And is that scratching? What sort of itch does this project scratch for you? That's a good question. It scratches many, many itches <laughs> for me. Um, it scratches the itch, uh, fascination with cephalopods. Uh, cephalopods being very intelligent creatures. They're um, really remarkably intelligent, but also their intelligence is very, very alien to, to human intelligence. Their anat anatomy is so different. They don't even have a single brain. Each arm almost has its own brain. And the arms can communicate with each other without involving the brain, the central brain that they have, for example. Uh, but really, this is kind of on the surface. Digging deeper, what, it's, what the project really is about is thinking about intelligence um, differently to how we typically might have been thinking and perhaps trying to get away from very anthropocentric views of thinking of humans as apart from nature, thinking of... Uh, thinking of humans as above nature and as if like the natural world is there for us to consume. Um, so there's a lot of ecological themes uh, to do with the climate crisis, to do with mass extinction and the values that we have um, adapted over the years that have turned out to be quite destructive. Is it, is it, what Does humility play a role in... You're talking about intelligence and our, maybe our acceptance that we are more fallible than we like to purport. Is there, are we making progress, do you suppose? That's a great word, humility. I have not used that word in this context, but, um, yeah, that's a great word. It, it is about humility, um, both as a species, that we should have more humility to our place in the environment, um, but also as individuals and with regards to how knowledge is made. And I use the word intelligence mostly as um, to bring in a the term, you know, AI and artificial intelligence, etc. But really, it's about how knowledge is made and the idea that every thought that is brought into the world is actually the product of millions of minds, mm. because um, it's the product of conversations that we're having. I mean, this conversation that we're having right now is an exchange of thoughts, and hopefully, we all go away as different people, you know, things have changed in our minds, but also the generations before us, because we are all products of our education, which is, you know, millions of thoughts which lead to who we become. So it's really an invitation to reflect on all of these. Are we naive about what's coming down the pipe? I mean, you're really across the details of AI and technology and coding. Are we, I imagine artistically you're living in a bit of a sweet spot because now everyone's turning to your expertise. Do you have a lay of the land about what we're in for? Uh, with regards to AI? Mm. Yeah, um, I ended up doing a PhD in this in 2014. I kind of put my artistic career on the side and said, I, I really need to know what's happening with this AI thing. Um, yeah, it's. I don't like making predictions. Um, I'm not in that line of business, but I do think it's potentially big. Mm. Yeah, I, and I don't mean to say that to scare people. I don't buy into the, the doomsday scenarios, um, but I do generally say, like, expect the unexpected. Um, 
one of the key things is that the field of AI that we're you know, in right now is around big data. So what that really means is any breakthrough in AI will most likely result in breakthroughs in any fields which operates around big data. And today, all of our fields are fields of big data, you know, physics, biology, chemistry, psychology, finance, even, you know, even, even finance and politics are, have become data fields. So we can expect developments in AI to result in developments in physics and biology and how politics gets made, which may be a good thing, which may be a terrifying thing mm. as well. Do you have aha moments when you're making art like this or is it so complex and abstract that you, you don't get the, you know, the flourish of the paintbrush and go, ah, mm. it, 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 can, you, can you speak to the enjoyment that you get out of it? Yeah, I love it. Um, there definitely is aha moments, particularly probably even more so with working with AI. Um, and I've been working with AI for over a decade. Um, and I'll even expand it to, gener I'll say, generative systems in general because there's so much unpredictability that it's not like painting where there's a direct connection between what's in your mind, your body, and the outcome. It's very indirect. Um, so I often liken it more like um, to, to make a comparison between filmmaking and documentary filmmaking, where in filmmaking you might write a script, you do a shot list, you go out, and then you try to recreate exactly what you had planned. Whereas with documentary, maybe there's, you know the story you want to tell, but then when you get there and you do the interviews, etc., it develops in a different direction. And so your job then is to be like, okay, this is the material I have. How do I tell a story with this material? That's still somehow true to the original story. So there's a lot of research, a lot of exploration. It's a bit like another, I, you know, met we all use metaphors, but another metaphor I like is trying to discover new land, setting, you know, going out on a boat into the open ocean, looking for land, because that's what it's like a lot of the time. You're doing stuff and... The, the aha moment is, okay, I can see land. I mm. can see what I can do now and how I can turn this into a project as opposed to just a bunch of explorations. Yeah. But the inspiration for this project was qu quite tangible, wasn't it? You were snorkeling? Is that what you... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, um, that, that's true. I spent the pand I'm from Turkey and I spent the pandemic um, in a small village in the Mediterranean in Turkey and I'd go snorkeling all the time. And I would see octopuses a lot, and there's a lot of octopuses in um, in the Mediterranean, and I, I love them. And they would always be like four or five meters under the water, and at that depth, you don't see a lot of color. Um, but I saw one right on the surface on a rock, just under the surface in the full spectrum of sunlight, and it flashed at me. Um, just the colors were so intense. It blew my mind I had no idea I mean I knew they changed color but I didn't know they were this bright in the sun um, you know this isn't a zoo with artificial lights and it was pink and orange and purple and cyan and it it just dawned on me I have to do something with these creatures and all these other themes that I was already in my head 
um, around distributed consciousness, how intelligence and knowledge is distributed, and thinking about other ways of being and other kinds of values that we might try to um, build our societies around. They were all loose in my head. And then when I saw that octopus flash its colors, it's just like an explosion in my mind. Yeah, and they look incredible, the visuals. I can't wait to see it, yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully you get to go to the aquarium. Yeah. Or to, <laughs> do you have much plan in town? I actually, um, we were just talking about that. I have a lot of things, but I haven't solidified because I don't have too much time. Yeah. So I want to make sure I do the best. We don't squander. Use my time. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I, I don't use I, I, use my time um, and see. So I don't know yet what I will be doing. All right. Well, to check out Memo Atkins' AI exhibition, it's called Distributed Consciousness. It's on at Acme's Gallery 2 until the 16th of June next year, and it's open daily from 10 till 5pm. There's also a talk that you're giving with the panel. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, That's called AI and Art, Exploring the Connections Between Creativity and Technology. That's at the Gandel Digital Future Lab 1 at Acme, Fed Square, on Thursday the 21st of September. All the information is at Acme .net.au and we've been speaking with artist in town Memo Atkin. Thanks very much, Memo. Thank you so much for having me. Woo! <sighs> That's right. Triple R. I want to talk houseplants. Um, I'm kind of refining my approach in the new space. Can you have too many or kind of more the merrier? So I'm keen to hear kind of your thoughts and your approaches. But before we get stuck into that, I just want to touch on yesterday I was talking about whether um, you think it's acceptable that I go down the communal stairs of my apartment block. So it's internal. We're behind a security um, door in my dressing gown or a towel. Mm. Um, There was mixed reviews, mixed responses. But I think I found a really, like, nice medium. Last night... I ordered takeaway. Mm -hmm. I went down to get the food from the delivery person in my pyjamas. Okay. I might. Okay. Yeah. Can you get it? I think that's pretty like. I would question. Yeah. Why are you wearing your pyjamas before dinner? (laughs) I thought that could open up that can of worms too. (laughs) Are you okay? Am I okay? Well, like, do you mean why am I wearing pyjamas as an adult No, 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 before dinner. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, why not, you know? Because it's like why it's just – I'm like, okay, I'm in for the night. I um, decided on the delivery and so I was like I can go from the jeans to a tracksuit pant, like an interim outfit – or I can go straight. I can skip that middle step. Ah, uh, don't you don't want to waste the interim outfit? I know what you mean. Yeah, keep it clean. I'm going to a laundromat at the moment, so I was like, uh, keep the trackies for maybe when I'm going out for a walk or something, or I will be seen. So I've gone straight to the flannel. Mm, okay, oh, full flannel. <laughs> I know. I sometimes used to come. I used to avoid the interim outfit when I would I would come home from school and get out of my uniform straight into jammies. <laughs> I remember answering the door to one of my brother's friends and it was like 4pm and he's like, hey, mom, did you just get up? <laughs> it's like, no, I've been at school all day. I'm exhausted. I, I would from save my parents the washing. To 3.30? I mean, give me a break. So I do know, but also I was probably 15 at the time. Yeah, okay. I think pyjamas is okay. Some pyjamas are also, um, the, it's, a, it's a fine line. Mm. Like some pyjamas just look like leisure wear. True. So it could be you could wear that out in a walk feasibly. But if we're talking full flannel with a little like yeah sheet printed on it and stuff and buttons up to the neck, maybe 
Yeah. These are definitely pyjamas. They have clouds on them. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Which I did not purchase myself. I was it's gifted. Intimate. It's intimate for someone to see you in your pyjamas. Yeah, but I feel like it's a bit more like wholesome and yep. I don't know. It's not quite the same level as the dressing gown and the towel. The towel is its own thing. The towel is so close to nudity. It's not that close. I mean, we wear boob tubes. Little dresses in summer. <laughs> I mean, I don't, but people get around. With... Daniel loves a boob tube. <laughs> What's going on? The towel. I'm saying it, the towel is too. Is, is... And you're saying it's not close to nudity. It's as close yeah, to nudity it's, as there's one no, can get. It's, uh, it's a fig leaf in the Garden of Eden <laughs> and then towel. That's it, literally. <laughs> All you have to do is bend it an awkward way and you're nude. It falls off. The little tuck, you know, it comes out. You, that's it. You've got your hands. You, you are can a hold stiff on. breeze away from <laughs> No. A I, twist even. I object. <laughs> I, like I've got like denim shorts that are like shorter than some no, of my towels. Yeah, but they stay on. It's about <laughs> the security. Okay, it's about the security for you. All right, well, the, the, the flannel was securely on. Yeah, I think that's okay. I, there's an apartment block across the road from the station here. and I, I've seen a guy come out there and just – what looked like boxer shorts, to pick up his paper. Mm. I judged him, took a photo, put it online. No, that's you're not dressing up to get your morning paper, but, but I think to get your dinner. But uh, it's the same thing. Uh, just collecting... No, it's different times of day. Because the paper is before breakfast. The paper is... So it's morning. Absolutely. Bringing bins in, is that a... You, you'll read it. He'll continue to read that newspaper in his boxer shorts. Yeah. And I'll continue to eat my dinner in my pyjamas. <laughs> yeah, but getting curried slop on your pyjamas, like it's supposed uh, to be – pyjamas are uh, supposed to be a pristine bed uh, garment, aren't they? Well, I'm more alarmed, so you don't eat in your pyjamas. No. 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 What do you mean no? Re- like really? It's about getting comfy. How do you two eat? I, I mean, get like... some paper towel. Get, get some paper towel. I'm sorry. We're not going to. I'm not wearing a person who wears shoes inside. Like, we're not going that far. I wear but, shoes inside. Oh, okay. This is, wow. this is a jailable offence. Wow, we're so much. Shoe, do you wear jeans as well? Do you wear jeans on a plane? I reckon those two things cross over. Like, sh- shoes inside and jeans on a plane. <laughs> the <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson flop. <laughs> I'd probably wear some, like, really comfy jeans, yeah, for sure. Because I don't want to go – you don't turn up in your tracksuit pants to go on a plane because you kind of, like, burn a flame to maybe be upgraded. I was oh, always I know, told yeah. to dress nicely when going to yes, the airport, getting on point. a flight. I feel like those days are a little bit gone, aren't they? They're, yeah, who gets upgraded No one's getting upgraded. We're know. lucky to get on the, the plane. <laughs> exactly. it's, a, it's a real win if we, we board. But it was like – yeah, no, I'll wear okay. – what are you wearing on the plane? Just a towel. <laughs> <laughs> okay, someone's getting sassy. Yeah. yeah. That's why I don't get upgraded. I get arrested, actually. So with the no shoes inside, so are there slippers at the door? Oh, yes, yeah, slippers at the door. Okay. Yeah. So shoes come off. Slippers go on. And that's it. And that's it. And then I'm home, I'm home and I'm comfy and I'm ready. Okay, and then what about guests? Do you just go, oh, shoes off? Or well, you... often guests say, do you want shoes off? Yeah. And I go, oh, yeah, you just leave them at the door. Mm-hmm. But I don't insist upon it. Okay. I just think it's more comfortable. It's also a cleanliness thing. Are there but any just... shoes that live at the door that aren't in high rotation? Like they got left off at the door and then they... Yeah, that happens. And that's what we talked about because we even got a little place for the shoes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, you can't just put any old shoes here. They have to be ones that are worn regularly, so it necessitates them being near the door. Yeah. So don't put, you know, your dress shoes there. You can't be Carrie Bradshaw with a 
I know yeah. all my, you know, ladies <laughs> love their shoes. My Manolo <laughs> Blonics. Yeah, okay, wow. Um, I did get a text that said jeans on a plane equals psychopath. Really? So, yeah, okay. this is why you're not getting upgraded. Because they're like, we cannot trust her. I said, didn't I see her in pyjamas in the apartment building recently? (laughs) That's why I'm never getting the emergency exit. They're like, she can't handle the responsibility. (laughs) She's too restricted. They're denim. She's not flexible enough. Um, Someone has said that there could be a nudist apartment tower in that. I mean, it's not nudity. But yeah, okay, sure. But people are saying, someone else is into it, says rock the pyjamas as much as you like. I, I, I think I'm into it. I just think. Yeah. Yeah. Did anyone see you? Would you? F- okay. The quest. I think. I think. What it comes down to is, mm. would you be embarrassed if a neighbour saw you? No. Not okay. At then all. that's fine. Because I think it's completely appropriate behaviour on par with what Daniel is saying about the newspaper. Agree. But I think it's like it's dark. We know. I mean, it was like eight, the eight-ish when mm-hmm. I was getting the food. It's like, and I think the fact that there is the built-in like task of collecting the food is. Um, important because they know there's a time cap. I'm on a mission. The same with collecting the paper. You're like, if out. they do see me, it's like, oh, getting the food. There's kind of parameters parameters to the exchange, mm. which I think even if they do feel like I'm overstepping the mark, they know it's going to be swift, mm. you know? Yeah, that's fair. I think that's fair. Yeah, so, well, that's, yeah. It's the newspaper is a, you know, they get delivered at 5 a.m., mm. Mm. But so not like they're, it, they're designed to. They're, they're, it's pre-day. That's pre-dawn. It's pre-dawn. It's pre-day, and dinner is like a central, a civilizational pillar. Mm. But uh, do you know the amount of papers I see on the nature strip that have not been collected pre-dawn? Doing, yeah, um, no, it's just because they're being delivered. <laughs> oh, Doesn't mean like, they're not being picked up at that time. <laughs> the, Daniel sets his alarm the, to get the paper. Yeah, they're too busy trying to squeeze into their genes that they haven't. I mean, I, I genuinely uh, – what if you spill – because we know you've spilt a penny sarg in bed. Yeah, that's right. Oh, no. Mm. Mm. So, so – uh, yeah. You were you were unwell though. True. Mm. So yeah, I did know that. Yeah, I bought um, yeah, like the the, the a, quite a thick, dense spinach curry in bed. Mm. You're right, and it was quite an ordeal getting the stains out. But oh it was God. a success. So you're right. I forgot about that, Daniel. <laughs> a, Daniel's got a better memory of my mishaps oh, than I do. There's a listener who lived in your house, and the old housemate was always in his towel around the house. So gross. Uh, he even once sold a bike to someone in a towel. <laughs> well, I'm not doing that. Yeah. And that's grease, not food. Triple R. Ramak Bamza is an Iranian-born fine art photographer who received a Bachelor of Fine Art from the Azad University of Art and Architecture in Tehran and has since worked as a photographer, independent artist, creative director and mentor in the field of documentary, portrait, still life and fashion photography in Iran and Australia. Ramak's exhibition Pro Femina is part of the Ballarat International Photo Biennale, now in its 19th year. And to tell us about it, the visual artist joins us now. Ramak, welcome to Breakfasters. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. It's our pleasure. Can you introduce the listener and us to your practice now? What are you aiming to capture in this exhibition? Yeah, Pro Femina is the name of my newest series in Art Gallery of Ballarat. And, uh, oh, man, that's so massive. Last year when the death of Mahsa Amini happened in Iran in 2022, it 
actually the event impacted on so many people, not just me as an Iranian. So I try to uh, just respond to the event. And uh, a part of that, um, for a couple of years, I've been working on femininity and the concept of um, the women's body in the Middle East and Iran and how does it manipulate, change, or control with this patriarchy culture because I've been and I lived in Iran for 30 years. So the core of the the core of Profemina is about um, the struggle of these women, these Iranian women who fighting against this brutal system, this brutal government. And are the subjects in your photography in danger at all? Uh, no, not really. The, the, the photos, actually, the day, day, most of them is four of them in Profemina because it's ongoing series. And um, they are three of them is a death scene. They're brutal and intense and dramatic. So, uh, and I use, the, I use Iranian women to create the images. So, uh, and um, if I'm going to explain one of the images, the first images, because they made based on the true stories on people. And one of the images, the first one, is about the death of Neda Agha Sultan, who killed uh, by the government in 2009 during the Green Movement in Iran. And, you know, if you, you know, for, for audience, they are not familiar with what I'm talking about. So when you, if you imagine, you know, when you, go to the gallery, you see four large images. And when you get closer, you see um, real people, real women sitting in front of the painted backdrops, which the backdrops all painted by myself and a group of beautiful Iranian artists and creators. And um, when you get closer, in some of them even you see blood and you thing is this a blood but as you get closer you see no this is not a blood this is red glitter sequence and drawing students to you know represent the blood and recreate the blood and you may ask why I didn't use blood and uh, you know I don't I don't I think blood is so intense and you know I didn't like the crass uh, brutality of photojournalism and I'm not uh, at the moment um I call myself a stage photographer. I'm not a documentary or photojournalist. So I really enjoy create the scene with beauty, but at the same time show the brutality. And I think one of the main core in my practice, why I create art is uh, to find beauty within brutality or even brutality within beauty. Mm. Yeah, because I find that really fascinating about your photographs, that it goes beyond that straight documentation or a portraiture. It's kind of like a still frame of a film. And I'm wondering, like, what is your kind of creative kind of decision or how do you think that kind of elevates, like, the resilience of these women by doing it this way? You know, it's a kind of celebration for me, honouring these lives Mm. because... You know, I inspire with the images from photojournalism, you know, um, uh, citizen photojournalism in Iran. Some of these images, they get so viral. They went everywhere, these women, this struggle. And the fact of these images taken by random people, you know, with the smartphones, but we're living in the world, we're all connected together. And when you see these images, you you know, it's impossible to 
not like just getting that feeling in your psyche and in your body. And uh, for me, that moment of death, because as I said, is specifically a death scenes is about to celebrate that moment of you know is such an important moment someone dying and someone filming from the beginning to the end and I had to go through this process to watch and all of these footages which I didn't want to because it's just emotionally it's really hard to deal with those stuff but I went through that and uh, to capture the moment and I think is um, uh, what I really love to do through this project to you know, get connected to people emotionally and invite people to my psyche. Not only me, this is the memory of Iranians for decades, for years living in Iran under theocracy and this government. When you uh, speak of beauty and brutality, if you go one way too far into the brutality in photojournalism and you can't, you know, emotionally that doesn't connect, it just aggravates you in your soul I said what happens when you go in the other way and something becomes too beautiful and you've got experience in fashion photography well what if something becomes is too pristine how do you Mm. respond to that that's a really great question that's what I always try to avoid because it goes I I guess in my opinion the art it goes to be uh, decorative rather than like a piece of art I think staying in that line is as is really difficult, but at the same time, it's it's super important, at least in my practice, to create that beauty and show that brutality through by subject matter, and that's what I'm trying to do. I put the layers in the in my subject matters, but uh, present it in the way audience can get connected, visually accessible. That's what I call it, because I guess I I don't like to create art for just you know academic people. They, those people, they know about art. I think the nature of art is to create for everyone, for pop culture, for people they are not even educated because as a human, emotionally, and uh, we, we can get connected together. It doesn't matter the story is from Middle East or from Africa or if you're visually presented for people, uh, they, got, they get connected to those elements, to those icons, to those symbols, I put in the images. So that line is really delicate for me to Mm. don't be uh, decorative in my art. What about your uh, education? Is is where you got your Bachelor of Fine Art, is that as it was, you graduated years ago, is is the institution compromised or does it change? What's it like in Iran in an education sense? So honestly, I haven't had a great experience doing my bachelor in, in Tehran. And I was, I was a, you know, a young student. I was crazy with art and I want to be rebellious. So the experience wasn't great because as of all of those limitations, I would say we had a great teachers at that time. Uh, but moving to Australia really impacted of me in the way to totally express myself. And then when I get to uni in 2022, just during the pandemic, I started doing my Master of Fine Arts. I felt like in during two years, I had this chance to back to myself, delve into myself and uh, understand, like, you know, to understand what I really want as an artist, what is what I, I really want to do. And I guess that was the turning point of my practice because I became really, really honest to myself. I 
I guess unconsciously I always was worried about people's judgment about my work, what people think. But now I freely want to express myself without fearing of judgment and censorship because in Iran, you that's the subject you have to always deal with that. And these images, there's no way I could ex- uh, exhibit them in Iran. Mm. So that feeling of, you know, myself, I can't do this and this is me. You don't have to love it. You, uh, some people love it, some people hate it. But this is me, that's true me, and that makes me really happy. And Armighty and the beautiful teachers over there, they helped me to just do that. What about the subjects of your portraits, your photos? How have they responded to the work when they see themselves? Uh, my self-portraits, you mean? No, the, 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 the women in these photographs. Oh, how, oh the, the general response from yeah. you. Yeah. You know what? Um, I feel so grateful this space. I feel just so grateful because, you know, people messaging me, texting me, emailing me about uh, and crying in front of me to how they, uh, you know, receive the images. And they are not Iranians, you know. I'm not surprised if, you know, we if Iranian community come and tell me that because I know uh, <laughs> that the sensitive spot I'm touching right now in those images and Iranians know what I'm talking about exactly. But Australians... You know, it's, it was amazing, the feedbacks I had. I'm so super grateful for that these days. And you pop up in Ballarat from time to time at the at the Biennale? Yes, uh, I've been there for the opening. I had a, a artist talk with a beautiful, amazing curator who curated my work, uh, Julie McLaurin. And then, um, yeah, occasionally I go there to just visit and feel fame. <laughs> 15 minutes fame. Well, please. <laughs> Lifelong fame. Yes. Uh, okay. Now, Pro Femina is on at the Art Gallery of Ballarat. It's as part of the Ballarat International Photo Biennale now in its 19th year. Uh, and now, you, are you a fan of everything else that's under the roof at the Biennale? To be honest, you know, is 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 so fascinating because mm. some of the people, some of the artists and photographers in Biennale, they such a you know famous people, and you just like and oh, and I have exhibition with Andy Warhol because he's next to me, mm-hmm. and you know that's really you know surreal. <laughs> I know he's not alive, but you know I'm just. It's you just, can claim it. Yeah, <laughs> I'll put it in my resume definitely. <laughs> so yeah, it. It's been really interesting and I'm glad I met these amazing people and artists over there. But the whole body of work, honestly, is incredible. There's so many good photographers. All right. Well, check it out. Artgalleryofballarat.com.au. It's on until the 5th of November. We've been speaking with Ramak Bamzar about her exhibition Pro Femina as part of the Ballarat International Photo Biennale. Ramak, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, guys. Friday, honey bugger. Prue Blake's here off the back of an intense The Nanny Binge. Morning, Prue. <laughs> Morning. I was just thinking, we were talking about how the nanny theme song's incredible, but the Friday funny bugger one? Yeah. Also, horrific. <laughs> <No, it's hilarious. laughs> 
No, uh, I like her. Oh, good. It gets you up and about. It gets me up and about. I'm like, okay, you're awake. You're, you're ready awake to laugh. for the day. I'm ready. Did we ever find out who the boyfriend was who kicked her out in one of those crushing scenes? Yeah, Danny. Right. Who works in a bridal shop in Flushing, Queens. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. It's all there in the people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What more could you know? Yeah. What, what else did you love about it? What I love about the nanny, I just remember it always being on as a kid. Yes, it, it was always there. At like that perfect, you know, 4pm, 5pm time slot. It was comforting. It's always, it's just characters doing exactly what you would expect them to do. I always wanted to open the fridge and pull out a piece of cake like they always did. They were always eating cake with a fork. And I thought, oh, oh how cool. A luxury. I, I, that. A I know. Yeah, I'd love to have Niles cook for me yeah he seemed great and a little sassy comeback yeah put me in my place <laughs> terribly witty <laughs> so witty uh, uh, what else is going on well yeah it kind of leads nicely into what i wanted to talk about which is my biggest struggle in life um Good. lunch mm. i just i don't know uh, i mean maybe you just go breakfast food for lunch oh what i think i think that's a good call that i think that's good you can easily have eggs for lunch Eggs for lunch works, but I find in general I just don't know what to do. And I thought I'd come up with the perfect solution the other day. I was like, I'm a genius. Mm-hmm. Everyone hold your applause. It's going to be amazing. I bought um, meal replacement shakes. Oh. I was like, people are just not giving Soylent a go because <laughs> they're pretentious and they're worried about that movie and they should just give it a try. Very you know, it's going to be great. So you're worried about thinking about lunch every day? Yeah. yeah. You're I'm bored just... of the... Daily I never know what speculation. To have. I yeah. find it the mo- it's the most difficult of the meals. It's mm. the most difficult of the meals because breakfast, you're like, yeah, lockdown, love all breakfast food. Yeah. Dinner, a smorgasbord of weights. You could have whatever you wanted. But lunch, it's kind of like, it's got to be quick. It's got to be, it's normally cold. I don't mm. love cold food. Okay. Mm. It sneaks up on you as well. It sneaks you're up like, on you. You're like, I just did this with breakfast. Yeah. And you're <laughs> Come like, on, I been... just put it away. Yeah. yeah. And I've been thinking about dinner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't have time for this. Yeah, I don't have time for it. And there's yeah. nothing like I know people say, oh, just make a smoothie, but there's nothing quick about a smoothie. I no. have to bring out mm. eight, nine, ten ingredients, my berries from the freezer, my different plant-based milks, some and coconuts, s- sandwiches, some chia seeds. Sandwiches are, and I've said this before, sandwiches are more time-consuming than cooking a roast. Mm. Not yeah. time-consuming, more wow, labour-intensive. you've well, said that before. Roast, I love a roast this. you just chuck in the oven, forget about it. No big yeah. deal. That's why... Like, you know, that's why anyone can do it. Mm. Right. Sandwich, you got to cut up all your lettuce. I'm talking like a salad sandwich. Like a, po- yeah. Mm. I mean, They're salad so sandwich good. is the most time consuming of sandwiches. But it's a classic, like, oh, just a go to lunch thing. But it takes a lot of effort. Yeah. Deceptively labor intensive. Absolutely. Yeah. I was thinking that I made a salad for dinner the other day. This is off topic, but it takes so long to make a salad. Mm. I'm like, yeah, I'm it every does. little component. I've got to chop and prep. and yeah. Oh, then i got to garnish it. Yeah. Oh, wait, do I need a nut? And I've got to put it all away. Dressing. So how are these shakes going? Oh, they're f- so foul. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I got them yesterday and I was like, can't wait to try them. This is going to be incredible. They had all those, you know the way that um, brands will name things so they sound more delicious. So yeah. instead of it just being vanilla, it'll be like vanilla dream. Oh, mm. French vanilla. Yeah, instead of coffee, it's like frothy coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Cafe au lait. Cafe au lait. They had douche deluche, my favourite flavour. <laughs> they had a... I'll just have two douche deluches, yeah, please. Just a douche deluche for lunch. <laughs> Nothing savoury. And so I whipped one up and it kind of goes 
And I'm, I mean, surely every gym bro can't be wrong. I thought they must they? be tasty. Mm. And I whipped one up and I started drinking it and the smell was off straight away. But it's the texture uh. that really gets you. It's like thick liquid that shouldn't be thick mm. There's, and it's warm. Oh, and why is it warm? What are I, you doing? I was blending it, and I don't know if that made it. It's not like blending sort of affecting the temperature. Blending <laughs> is in I the think, source yeah, of the heat. heat from oh, okay. <laughs> you think it's like a human being when you like shake around, you get your body temperature goes yeah, up. Yeah, it's, it's worked out. <laughs> <laughs> this shake's worked out, and it coats your mouth, and it's it's got a pea protein in it, and I feel like the protein was blending with the protein in my mouth, and I couldn't get it out of there. It was coating it, mm. and then I thought the protein's still all around your mouth. I'm never going to live it down, these shakes. You make an interesting point whether the idea of them is that actually it is gross because that's an additional sacrifice. You know, you're doing it to build muscle. Everything has to be a grind. Mm. That's the value of it. Or is it also because sometimes when they're meal replacement, they're for weight loss. Yeah. And so I said, like, this is so gross. I'll just skip it all together. And that's actually how people lose weight. <laughs> oh, that's the trick. <laughs> that's why everyone's got those incredible bodies afterwards. <laughs> you know, you've not been nourishing yourself. <laughs> there is there's something weird about it because you think, you'd think you're not going to miss chewing. Mm. Like, I could have just a smoothie for lunch. That's fine. Mm. But when it's thick and you still can't chew. Yeah. Mm. That's a, it's no good. It's confusing. <laughs> it's confusing. Yeah. And it makes me think, like, I, I thought one of the reasons I wanted them is that I travel a lot for work and travelling for work seems so glamorous, but it's actually the biggest nightmare of all time <laughs> where you're just going, you know, taxi, airport, boardroom, hotel, motel, food court, hotel, taxi, mm. boardroom. Like, that's all you ever see. And I think it makes you realise what's really important about any city. Chewing. Burgers. I feel like burgers are the the great unifier. They're the saviour of any travel. Because you go, you get a burger. I might not eat grilled every night at home, but I can imagine what that would be like. Mm. (laughs) And even like you go to America and I'm in California and I'm going, yeah, I might go to Alcatraz, but I'm definitely going to (laughs) In-N-Out. Yes, it's on the list. It's on the list. It's Mm. a big... And that's what you remember. I remember spending $50 on Shake Shack in Covent Garden. Yeah. I don't know what else is there. Yeah. <laughs> what about do you always get fries Is without fail? Um, I, I've also noticed, is it loaded fries? That's really kicked off, isn't it? You can't just get fries anymore. Yeah. I don't want my fries loaded. No, I want, I want texture. Otherwise it just becomes uh, mush. I want my fries unencumbered. Yeah. Yeah. What Keep is them loaded free. fries? I don't know. Loaded fries? Is it just pile, stuff on top? Pile of crap yeah, on like top. Yeah, like cheese, cheese goo? Shri- mm. Yeah, or like shrimp, um, like pulled pork or something. Yeah. yeah okay. Just have your fries. Fries? Yeah, but I always get fries. I'm a fries on the burger. Person ah, yeah, into the sandwich. So, so yep. could you could you overcome your lunch stress by just buying a burger every day for lunch? Oh, I think we've done it. Yeah. <laughs> blend up your loaded fries. <laughs> oh yeah, perfect. Yeah, blend that into a shake. Mm. <laughs> but you are right. You are a famously efficient masticator. And uh, which is a fancy word of saying chewing, I suppose, yeah. to get that look of yeah. absolute fear off your face. Yeah. 
Uh, and it's a shame to forego it. Where can we see? Can we see YouTube publicly? Oh, please! Yeah. Um, I would love to share a burger with you. Mm. Um, kind of probably through words and description more than physical. But I am doing a trial show with my good friend Oliver Coleman on this Sunday at Club Voltaire. It's free, and I would love to see you there. It's all new jokes, and some of them will be funny. That's and- great. <laughs> uh, Club Voltaire, North Melbourne. Uh, what time? 14 Raglan Street, 5pm. Oh, cool. It's a little early one. You can head to the pub afterwards, get a burger. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. True, Blake. Thank you. Thank you. Independently yours, Triple R. 102.7. Thanks for listening to a podcast of the best bits of Breakfasters, the Monday to Friday breakfast show broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia. Feel free to get in touch with us via Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or via the Triple R website.